0: Is consumer buying behavior mystifying at times? They say one thing and then they go do another. It would sure be easier to increase your sales if you knew what they really wanted. And that's exactly what my next guest says he can do to help you with. He's sales strategy guru, Brian Graken.
1: This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Brought to you by Business M.O.L.L.C.
0: Ryan Graykin helps you understand and leverage the three buying habits of today's consumers. He's researched the marketing strategies of luxury car dealers, coffee shops, restaurants, spas, and entertainment businesses during the last recession. And he's come to the conclusion that you don't have to have a multimillion-dollar marketing research budget to sell as if you do. What a relief, right? Well, he's now distilled that wisdom into a book called Meconomics, one hundred and one, in which he describes key strategies and tactics you can use to refocus and integrate your marketing, selling, and staffing processes to achieve more success. Meconomics 101 is not Brian's first rodeo. Oh, no. Brian has authored over 75 training programs in his over 20 years of training strategy and instructional design experience, as well as being president of Brian Graykin & Associates, Inc., As a matter of fact, his training programs have been internationally recognized for results and creativity, including a 2015 Brandon Hall Bronze Excellence in Learning Award. What a treat to have him with us today. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Brian.
1: It's my pleasure to be with you and your listeners, Hannah. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. I am so excited to learn more about Meconomics. Where did you come up with the idea for that book? That is just such an intriguing title.
1: Well, there there were two uh, instrumental forces that led me to economics. The first was actually a uh, financial class I was in as I was preparing to leave the corporate world and start my own business, and I wanted to make sure I was on solid financial ground. Well, in that class, I met a woman who would uh, come to class crying, leave crying, saying she was in severe financial trouble, and her husband was spending more money than they had, and she didn't know what to do. But she would miss an occasional class. And I'd try to help her catch up when she got back, and I asked her, where were you? And she said, well, I couldn't handle the stress of my financial situation, so to escape it, I went away to Miami Beach, stayed in a nice hotel, rented a sports car, went out for some nice meals, and just didn't think about it for a couple days. And then, of course, she would break down in more tears, realizing what she had just done to her financial situation. So that caused me to ask myself, why do people make the buying decisions that they do? Fast forward a couple of years, we're now in the recession, uh, I'm working on some projects for a client and stopping at a mall after many a meeting uh, to get a meal or run a few errands, and I happened to notice that even though we were in the recession, uh, the mall parking lot was crowded, and restaurants had long waiting lines, and so I'd go in the mall to run a few errands, and the nail salon and the massage parlor had lines out into the hall. And I'm asking myself, we're in a recession, and yet it looks like people are spending a lot of money. Why are they spending money on what they're spending it on? And those two things led me to research the question, are there companies that are recession-proof? And if so, how are they pulling that off? And that's what led to economics.
0: Well, recession-proof, that sounds like a magic formula. Tell me more about that. What has made these companies that you researched recession-proof?
1: Well, let me give you examples of a couple companies and then I'll tell you what my research showed. Uh, even during the recession, restaurant sales were growing at about 4 or 6% a year in the U.S. Uh, Day Spa and nail salon revenues were increasing. Companies like BMW and Mercedes and Starbucks were growing more than 10% a year, even in the recession. So my analysis of their marketing strategies and advertisements and many other companies, both during the recession and since, said that there were three themes that seemed to show up frequently uh, in their marketing programs. One was they were appealing to or helping a customer create a self-image. Second, they were providing entertainment. And third, they were pampering the customer. And if you could do one or more of those three things, appeal to self-image, entertain, or pamper, you had a really solid marketing strategy, and that seemed to be a common characteristic of those recession-proof companies and many other companies.
0: Wow. Now, do you think that those same strategies will be just as powerful in a growing economy?
1: I sure do. Uh, I believe they came about or strengthened during the recession as a way for consumers to respond to stress, just like Martha. I can't stand the stress of my financial situation. I have to escape. I'm going to go spend some money. So I think it was a response to stress. And if those habits strengthened or were put in place during a recession when people don't have money, I think it follows that they're going to be even stronger when people do have money. You're not going to reverse that trend and stop pampering yourself when you have more money, are you? So I think the trends will continue whether we're in a recession or beyond.
0: Interesting. So tell me, how do you think our listeners can apply these strategies to their marketing? These are small business owners. Some of them are in startup mode. What are some takeaways and some nuggets that they can apply in their business today?
1: I think it starts with the customers, and I like to start there because the customers have the money, and unless they start it moving, nobody benefits. But in particular, what's the self-image composition of your customer base? Uh, how do they think of themselves as uh, cost-conscious customers, as people who deserve the very best, as do-it-yourself customers? You know, That will depend on what kind of business you're in, but understand your customer's self-image and appeal to that self-image in your marketing. I think you need to either look at your past customers or start looking at your customers from today forward and determine that self-image composition. I like to talk in terms of the emographics, not the demographics of a customer base. Demographics tell you the customer's age, gender, income level. Emographics tell you what drives them emotionally. And we know that if you can make an emotional connection with a customer, that's a strong connection, and people spend money because of their emotional drivers, which, of course, self-image is. So that's step one in terms of your marketing. Second, I recommend that people look at their messaging uh, that they're sending out through their marketing. Does it appeal to that self-image target customer or those self-images? And then try to use all three lenses as you go deeper into your marketing strategies and your advertising and your collateral materials. Self-image, entertain, and tamper, Uh, the more the merrier. If you can appeal to one of those lenses, that's great. Two is better than one, three is better than two, and build those into your marketing and of course implied behind all this is your goods or your services that you're selling appeal to those self images as well.
0: Fascinating. Now, you know that social media marketing is really hot. How do you integrate that? How do you recommend people can integrate the meconomics concepts into social media marketing?
1: Sure. We all have heard many people talk about social media and platform A, platform B, which kind of people are using them, how many, it's growing, and that sort of thing. Every presentation I've ever heard about social media says content is king. You have to pay a lot of attention to content. But none of them ever talk about what content. What should you be saying? What should your messaging be? And that's where I think Meekonomics integrates into social media strategies. Because Meekonomics is about, especially the marketing part of Meekonomics, is about what should your messages be? Who are you trying to appeal to, and how do you appeal to them? So back to the self-image, entertain, and pamper lenses, which of those messages are appropriate to include in your social media marketing, and how do you do that? Meconomics gives you some guidance once you understand your customer base.
0: That's fine for the marketing part, but let's talk about the sales process. What steps can we take in that? Sure, and
1: there's a a couple things I want to do first in terms of somebody's attitude when they design their sales process. I'm not a big fan of several classical elements of the sales process. When people talk about qualifying a customer, for example, I don't like that term, especially from an economics perspective. These days, the customer is qualifying you to find out if you're the business they want to do business with. So I would like to replace that with learning. That's the first one. Second, I don't like the part of the sales process that's handling objections. To me, that sounds like you have to put on latex gloves and pick up something unsavory off the floor of your business. I like resolving concerns rather than handling objections. The customer hasn't bought yet. That's okay. No is just the first part of not yet, but resolving concerns instead of handling objections in terms of an attitude. And then I don't like the term closing a sale either. To me, that sounds like something's finished, and yet if you think of it that way, you're denying yourself the opportunity for repeat or referral business. So I like to think in terms of satisfying a customer instead of closing a sale. So the meconomics attitude, which focuses on what's in it for me from a customer standpoint, uh, makes those subtle but important changes to how we think about the sales process. Now I can answer your question about how does Meekonomics apply. When it comes to learning about your customers, we talked earlier about marketing and your messaging to appeal to certain self-images. So learning about the customer should assume as a starting point that the customer has those self-images that you've been marketing to. That's what attracted the customer. Now for your questioning and getting to know the customer better, you either confirm or adjust your understanding of their self-image and other drivers in the customer before you propose a solution. When it comes to benefits, I think there's a couple ways you need to use Meconomics as you're solving the customer's needs or problem with the benefits of your solution. Are you stating benefits in a Meconomics way, something that appeals to a customer's self-image or a need to be entertained or pampered? And have you considered all three of those lenses uh, when you state benefits, maybe you're missing some benefits that could help you actually get the sale. And lastly, when it comes to resolving uh, the customer's concerns, uh, and I intentionally said resolve, because it's, it's kind of like let's go back and try again. What have we missed? Ask yourself, did I consider all three of those lenses? Maybe I didn't think about the entertainment or enjoyability aspect of the discussion uh, Use that as a checklist to go back and say, did I uh, do a complete and thorough job using economics lenses to try to meet the customer's needs?
0: There's a lot in there. I appreciate your explanation. <laughs> we just
1: touched the tip of the tip of the iceberg. That's well, right. yeah,
0: I, I understand. But, you know, you pointed out something earlier when you said that there's subtle differences in the way that, like, for the example, the sales process is viewed, and it's not really the traditional way that many people are taught. So I'm wondering, how does this translate when somebody is looking to hire, train, or coach their sales team so that they can serve their customers better?
1: Sure, as we talk about marketing, selling, and staffing of a business, we're really talking about the three touch points between your business and the customer. And so you not only have to have the right marketing to interest the customer, and the right sales process to turn that into a transaction, but the right people and the right skills to operate the sales process. So Meconomics does address hiring and training and coaching of a staff in a business or helping coworkers be successful in a business. For example, in your hiring process, uh, Meconomics proposes some additional questions you might include in a job interview, something beyond how much experience do you have in this kind of business and what kind of margins do you typically sell at and so forth to things like, how do you feel about customers who want to be pampered? Or how would you pamper a customer? Or tell me about a time a customer complimented working with you and said it was a really enjoyable experience. What did you do to make it enjoyable? And there are a number of questions I propose like those that use the perspectives of Meconomics and add them to the hiring process and the interview questions. Let's assume you've found the right people Now you have to train them in how you want to sell, your approach to sales processes and your specific sales processes. So it's time for training. Uh, I'm a strong advocate that training always include application of skills as well as information about skills. And in this particular case, it would be specific skills to selling this way. How would you find out what a customer's self-image is? Well, let's give you some tips and advice on how to do that, for example. And once you've had the right training, uh, training fades unless something is done after the training to make sure people understand it's important to reinforce it when the right things happen and to coach when they don't. You know, in a football team, the coach doesn't just drop a new play, say go do it, and not pay any attention to did people execute it properly or not. But on the sales floor, uh, the manager or the owner needs to pay attention to what people are doing. Are they using the skills? that were coached and trained, and then what to do if you don't see those skills happening and do it in an economics way. For example, some people might need a kick in the pants, but not everybody. That's not the way they learn best. And so you need to think about the self-image of your staff members before you decide how best to coach each particular person on your staff.
0: Well, that's a path forward. Now, you know, you did mention something before that caught my attention when you said theory and application and the economics framework that you've set forth here and some tips for applying it in certain aspects of the business, marketing, sales, recruiting of salespeople, is all very interesting. But I would really like to hear about some examples, stories about clients, if you can say without mentioning their name, who've applied some of these and what the results were. Can you tell me about some?
1: Sure. And, and I'll give an example. I'll give an example of a uh, not-yet-large business. Uh, I don't like to use the phrase small business. Uh, that's another one of those word kind of things. But let's let's talk about a not-yet-large business like many of your listeners, Hannah. This business is a flooring business called The Carpet Girl in New Jersey, owned by Diane Grossman. Uh, Diane's a good friend of mine. She's given me permission to use her business as a case study in application of Meekonomics. She has a flooring business, and there are some interesting things about her business. One of them is her fourth quarter of the calendar year is her strongest sales quarter. And that might be a surprise to a lot of your listeners who think, no, in the fourth quarter, I'm thinking about going to grandma's, I'm thinking about a Christmas trip or a vacation somewhere, buying that new TV, the latest electronics, whatever. Uh, the people are not thinking about buying flooring, and yet it's her strongest quarter. And the way she does that is with a economics-based marketing strategy. She basically asks consumers, is your home ready for the holidays? And that drives people to think about their self-image. Uh, boy, my self-image is my house is gonna be beautiful and not ugly carpet or stained carpet. Uh, maybe I need to do something about my flooring. And you know what? I'm entertaining people. And so I want them to have a very enjoyable experience And I want to pamper my guests with the uh, new floor or, or whatever. So by asking that question, she's really invoking all three economics lenses into her marketing strategy. She goes further in her business with other applications. Her slogan is, your friend in floors. Most purchases of flooring are made by women. And so her attitude and her approach and her slogan is, your friend in floors. I'll be the person you can go shopping with who will give you an honest opinion about what's right for you or what isn't. A lot of women want somebody who can tell them, no, that sweater doesn't look great on you, or it really does, honestly. Well, that's her position in helping customers find the right flooring. She goes a little further with another slogan, something like, the most fun you can have shopping for flooring, which is a very clear entertainment strategy. Come shop here, unlike going to a big box store, you're going to have fun the way we do this. In fact, the way she does it is by appointment only. That's kind of unusual in the industry as well. Her theory is you make an appointment to see a doctor. You make an appointment to get your hair done. Why not make an appointment for this multi-thousand-dollar flooring purchase that you're going to live with for 10 years? And she doesn't even have any prices on the goods in her store. Let's find the right product for you. Then we'll talk about how much it costs. You decide if it's worth it to you or not. That's a sales process application of economics. So in her particular case, she very well... Implements all of the three lenses of economics in her marketing and her sales process, and how her people interact with her customers.
0: She's really on top of it. I can see that. So, can you tell me how she has she really sales- is? And
1: yeah, that's a great question. Uh, she started her business in 2012. That's not a real great time to start a business if you look back and think about what was going on then. And yet, her sales have doubled every year since.
0: Very nice. That's
1: my definition of success. She's doing very well with these
0: approaches. It's working for her. Interesting. Sure is. The example that you gave is business-to-consumer. How would somebody apply these lenses to to business-to-business? The same lenses apply, but there are
1: some nuances to how they apply a little differently. In business-to-business, for example, self-image equals the brand, both your brand and your client or customer's brand. And what you look for when you apply Meconomics in a business-to-business transaction is Is there alignment of those brands? And if not, how can I create alignment of those brands? And if you can't think of the client's brand, maybe you can help them uh, identify one. For example, when I think of your business, Jane, I think uh, such and such. and, And that becomes your statement of their brand, and then you can show how your business aligns, and it makes sense for the two of you to do business for the benefit of the client. Entertainment has a little different connotation in business-to-business. Certainly a lot of business is done over a show or a round of golf or a dinner, but it's not just about that aspect. It's about give me a simple, low-stress process that I can have confidence in. Don't confuse me and make the transaction difficult. Make it simple. That's a business application of entertainment. And then when it comes to Pamper, uh, I think in terms of custom solutions. Don't give me a stock standard solution because that's easy for you, the vendor. Think of me, the customer, my specific needs, perhaps my unique needs, and give me a custom solution. That will be pampering me more than the other guy does who wants to ram a solution down my throat because that's uh, very easy for him to do. So brand alignment, simple, low-stress processes, and custom solutions is a business-to-business application of economics.
0: Very good. Where does reputation fit into all of this? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Reputation is part of your brand. Uh, it's who you are and who you have shown the marketplace that you really are, uh, and your reputation is based on that. So as you seek brand alignment to the self image alignment, make sure that your reputation and the customer's reputation as part of those brands are also aligned.
0: For our listeners, this is probably a lot to absorb. I know I'm taking notes here like crazy because I think this is all very valuable information, very powerful. What three tips would you give our listeners to help them get started? Because maybe they can't do it all at once, but they want to start because this makes sense to them.
1: Yeah, and I don't recommend they try to do it all at once. Start with a couple things, make some more money, and use that to fund the next couple things you're going to do. So it's a self-funding business strategy. And the three tips I would give people to help them get started are: do a self-image inventory of your customer base, with historical information or starting today. You know, there's a, there's the old joke. What was the best time to start your social uh, media strategy? And uh, well, the answer is three years ago. Well, what's the second best time today? Same here. Start a self-image inventory of your customer base. Then look at your sales process and make sure it's aligned with an economics approach. We talked earlier about uh, learning instead of qualifying and resolving instead of handling objections and so forth. Look at your sales process. Is it aligned? Make it aligned. And any future changes, make sure they're positive for the customer from an economics perspective. That's point number two. And then point number three is integrate your hiring, training, and coaching practices so that your people who operate your processes are selling and interacting with customers the way you've marketed to the customer and the way you've designed your sales processes. So self-image inventory. Look at your sales processes and make them customer friendly from an economics perspective and integrate your staffing practices so that people operate your processes properly.
0: All right, that's a great phase one. What about phase two?
1: Once you're into phase two, we'll get a little more specific in terms of uh, your marketing messaging. Now that you've identified the self-image base of your customers, uh, how well are you appealing to those self-images? Are you on target or are you not on target? Uh, And then we'll work our way from there into the sales process, look a little more granular at how we interact with customers. Uh, we'll look at merchandising of your sales floor, if that's the way you do business. We'll look at your materials that you use. Are they aligned with the customer expectations? And we'll go deeper into the subject of training people so that they have the proper skills to operate this way.
0: Well, you are just a font of information here, Brian. i got to tell you, and I'm curious about who influenced you as far as your career choices and getting into all of this? What, Who made a difference in your life?
1: Well, one of the people is a gentleman named Paul Fredrickson. He's a partner with the Blake Project, which is a global brand consulting firm. He has his own uh, brand business called Brand Biz, Inc., and he's also a contributing writer for the New York Daily News on brand topics. Paul's a good friend, and he and I would meet occasionally for lunch, and, and as these economics concepts were being developed, Paul was a great mentor about brands and marketing, but also a good sounding board as I was bouncing ideas off of him and heading in the direction of Meconomics and someday publishing a book. So Paul was very much a very positive influence for me.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, we are definitely going to have a link to Meconomics on the episode page at the website, which is businessconfidentialradio.com, so you can look for that and check it out and share it with your friends. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners?
1: Well, I understand this was uh, a lot of information all at once, so let me share a few uh, places where people can get more information. Uh, Of course, you've mentioned the book, Meconomics 101. It's available in digital and print at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, the usual sources. Uh, I do have two websites that people can get additional information and links to a variety of resources. Uh, Those websites are meconomics101.com and traininggetsresults.com, and that's all one word with a double G in there. I'm also an active blogger on LinkedIn. I've published about 60 blogs in the last year and a half or so, many of them about meconomics, and so I'd refer people to my profile on LinkedIn, and I moderate a group called Increase Retail Sales, colon, training, and meconomics. So a number of places we can interact further, and of course, people are welcome to contact me uh, using the addresses in those various resources
0: fabulous. Of course, we'll have all of those links on the episode page at businessconfidentialradio.com. And I thank you so much for your wisdom, for your time, and for putting your thoughts together and, and spending the time to write a book, Meconomics, because a lot of people talk and think about writing a book, but it is a tremendous effort to actually do it. So I applaud that because that makes it easier for the rest of us to be able to have a resource that we can come back to again and again. So thank you so much, Brian.
1: It's been my pleasure, Hannah. Thank you.